Welcome to the Innovation Room. If you're a business leader, a change champion, or someone who wants to feel a little closer to how digital transformation is changing the world, put your smartphone aside, sit back, and indulge in the world of software, the world of endless possibilities. I'm Celia and I'm the head of tech strategy at Geeks and today I'm joined by our chairman and co-founder Payman. Payman and I are going to discuss business automation and in particular where companies can start their journey, which processes should be automated and we'll also explore the idea of micro-automation. Thanks for joining us today to discuss automation and in particular what it means for businesses and helping us demystify it for our audience. Hi, Celia. I'm glad to be here. So to begin, how would you explain automation? Sure. So uh, business automation is quite fashionable. You know, people are talking a lot about artificial intelligence, you know, RPA, robotic process automation, and so on. When, when it comes down to it, you know, every business has got a lot of different processes. You've got your recruitment, your, you know, HR, your, you know, quotation, you know, it's everything. And then you will have people doing doing those jobs and you will have systems supporting people to do those jobs. In practice, everything that is done at a business, basically the definition of work, usually means that there is some information coming in. There is a, you know inflow of information. And then there is the decision making. You know, you will you know, decide to do something with that information. And then there is the action that, that you take, you know, to actually implement your decision. And then there's the communication around it. How do you notify somebody else? Whether it's the kind of end result, simple processes, the customer sends you something, that's the information. You action it, you send a result back to them by email or whatever. Or sometimes it, you know, starts from somewhere and you're, the next step that you're informing, the communication part is, for example, you know, your colleague in another department or a system. So when you think about every business process, everything that people do in a business in, in that sense, then the question is, which parts of these actions is done by people and which parts yeah are done by systems. The parts that are done by the systems, we call those automation. The parts that are done by people, we call that work. Okay, thank you for, for describing to us the, the, the process of automation. It sounds quite tricky. What are the actual benefits for businesses that implement automation? So when any aspect of, of the work that I explained is done by systems, by definition, it is cheaper because computers are very cheap, you know, the processing time, they're very fast and, you know, you don't have to pay them salaries. There's no minimum wage rules, not yet. <laughs> you know, systems still don't have human rights or system rights. But also they are more reliable because uh, once they are taught to do something in a certain way, i.e. programmed, then they will do it without making mistakes. I see. And where does a business start? Their automation process? Every business process has got four different elements. For example, in the case of recruitment and processing a CV, you have the inflow of information where you need to look at the CV. You know, you need to also look at other information, for example, whether they have been previous applications from this candidate or whether they've been a former employee or whether, you know, they've got some inconsistent online profile and so on. So that's the information that you need to have. Uh, And that's just part of the process. So 
yes, maybe the decision-making element about whether or not you want to shortlist that candidate in your business, it cannot be automated. But surely in doing that task completely, there are steps of it which can be automated. You know, the systems can do the search for you, bring the information in a format that you can very quickly see and make decisions about. If we take the example of recruitment, where would a business start in automating their recruitment processes? So when you think about work in this case, as the basically the first element of doing work, which is the receiving of the information. You can do that manually. So you can basically manually go online, search for, for example, information about this person, or you can have that brought to you automatically. Then there is the aspect of uh, decision-making. So you need mm -hmm. to decide if we need to, for example, do we need to reject this, this candidate outright or do we need to, for example, you know, shortlist them for, for the next step. Again, to do that aspect, the systems can either do it for you automatically. For example, you're using some kind of AI and the job you're at recruiting for, you know, something that isn't very high risk and so on. There are actually companies doing completely automated AI-based uh, decision-making, or you could have the systems to support you with that. So basically, any of these four elements, you know, re receiving of the information, decision-making, taking the action and making the communications to somebody else about that, you could have extreme cases of automation where all of those elements are done by the system, mm -hmm. or you could have extreme cases of manual processing where all of those things are done by the person, or you could have a mix and match. The way I see it, there are four key benefits of automation, from saving costs to reducing operational errors to intelligent decision-making and improving your communications. The way you describe automation and its processes, it sounds quite expensive. Is this something that is available only to large companies? It used to be. Um, automation used to be very, very expensive because, um, you know, programmers, well, programmers have never been cheap, <laughs> not even today. But, um, you know, this, there used to be a lot of work needed to automate things. That's no longer the case. You know, automation is a lot more affordable and available to all kinds of businesses. Uh, from even one-man, you know, startups um, all the way to, you know, fully grown governments and blue-chip organizations. So when a company starts their automation journey, does this mean that they should start by implementing a large system? When you implement a big kind of off-the-shelf ERP or, you know, whatever system, you will receive certain micro-automations already implemented within that system. So let's say a recruitment package will tell you that you can push this button and then we will do this and that automatically. So they talk about time-saving and efficiency and all of the typical buzzwords that you will see in the software benefits. They're talking about the micro-automations that are built into the package. And, and those are good. You know, if you don't have any alternative, it's always, it's almost certainly better to use a system that at least gives you some micro-automations. The challenge with adopting an existing kind of big system is that it's not designed for your exact needs. You know, yeah. by, by definition, an off-the-shelf package is kind of designed to cater for a large enough number of customers to make it a viable product. And it means that they will have to cut out a lot of possible micro-automations from the steps to keep them generic enough and flexible enough so that more people can use it. But it just means that you know, you're getting a little bit of micro-automation in the processes and you're losing the opportunity to do a lot more. That's why when you're using 
a typical ERP system or you know what whatever software package, you will find yourself still spending a lot of time to use that system. A lot of clicks, a lot of searches, a lot of you know doing bits of manual process. I see. And what would the alternative be instead of going for the big bang approach? So the alternative approach to business systems, which um, has become very practical uh, with some of the changes in the cloud technologies and the software architectures is based on microservices. Microservices is talking about implementing your business processes or the tools that are supporting your business processes as small applications. There are kind of micro services or micro applications that are basically working together to fulfill your entire processes. Because they're each small, they can be changed easily. Because a big system, you know, you cannot just customize that. Customization of big packages is doomed. You know, it's very costly. Companies have been doing that. And, you know, it's very, very expensive. And in more cases than not, it will fail. Whereas customizing a small, tiny application is much more practical. And there are so many kind of systems thinking and kind of theories and reasons behind that. But long story short, simple and small means flexible and cheap usually. <laughs> um, and that is why having that kind of modern architecture where your business, rather than, for example, one big ERP system, is supported by 100 tiny microservice applications that are properly fit for your exact requirements. Some of those you may never need to touch, so you can just adopt them and use them as they are. But a lot of them you can also kind of customize and implement all the possible micro automations. For example, in your recruitment system, you might, for example, need information about you know, CBR kind of background checks for the candidates for that role. And rather than doing that manually, you can just say, well, for this position, do that search automatically and just automatically reject the candidate if they are not going to pass that requirement and all kinds of other elements. That's actually an interesting approach. So you're basically breaking down the bigger automation question into smaller bite sizes. What would that impact be on people? Because as you know, a lot of people are afraid of losing their jobs due to automation. Yes, that, that's a very contro controversial topic these days, especially with the rise of uh, artificial intelligence. Many other tasks that were previously considered as human-only jobs are also you know, being automated these days. The thing is that when you think about any business, it has to adapt and it has to kind of continuously evolve to basically remain relevant. So change is a constant, obviously, in the world of business. The thing is that when your processes need to change in response to changes in the environment, the customer needs or, you know, whatever else. So humans are quicker to train. You know, something changes, you can tell a person, show them, and the human brain is really optimized for, for picking that up. Whereas if you have a system, it might need, for example, a few days of development. And so that's, you, you can think about the programming and the development as the training. So people are quicker to train. Computers, it just needs a bit longer because you have to program and that's kind of, you know, a longer process. So people are good at solving dynamic problems. And in a rapidly changing world, there are always dynamic problems that kind of come every day. So you're, you know, even if you want to have complete automation, you can never have 
you know, get rid of people, you know, yeah, because yeah. you will always have ad hoc problems, changes and things like that. So you'll need people to solve problems. You'll need people to lead the transformation of the system. For example, customer touch points, you know, or having like human conversations with people internally and externally. There are always the human emotional elements that people are good at. There's the creative problem solving that people are good at. And there's the kind of transformation of the business and the kind of changes that people are good at. What automation usually means for uh, people in the business is that it is in a way helping people who are dynamic, who are problem solvers, who are basically capable of thinking out of the box and and being human, you know, being, you know, putting that creative aspect of their brains (laughs) to work to actually have more opportunities because the value that they can add in an organization which is heavily automated is actually a lot more. Every decision they make, it will it can translate into a much bigger impact. And therefore that can mean, you know, better pay, better, you know, outcomes, more interesting work. You know, rather than doing menial repetitive work, they can actually do more interesting things. So for when we talk about the impact of automation on people, we need to really think about what kind of people are we talking about. There are people who don't want to think, who don't want to solve problems, they just want to do something completely repetitive. And yes, I'm, I'm not going to lie, automation is not going to be good for them. Uh, so they have to decide to either say, okay, the world has changed, I shouldn't work. You know? <laughs> and and that, that's, I mean, uh, we laugh at that. I think the future of our work is going to be basically that not everybody needs to work. People who don't want to think creatively, people who don't want to solve problems, people who don't want to be dynamic, the future work will not really have much room for them. But at the same time, it's great to hear that automation can be used to automate our repetitive tasks, thus allowing us to focus more on the creative parts of our job and in turn enhancing our work instead of actually replacing people. Exactly. Because imagine if you're working in the, let's say, recruitment department again, without good automation, you will be spending a lot of your time doing repetitive things, which is not really fun it's not enjoyable and you're not really making the biggest impact whereas imagine if the system is you know automatically like highlighting the points of concerns in the cv rather than you like searching for that with your eyes and spending more time it's automatically let's say highlighting the keywords or the elements that you need to think about so it's basically allowing you to do your work and use your judgment and everything else that makes you a human, a valuable human being with creative thinking, judgment skills and all of those things to actually do more of that rather than the repetitive work. So it is, it makes your life, your job easier. It makes it more fun and it allows you to actually progress in your career and grow as a person, as a professional, even faster because of the automation, because you get more of your time spent on new situations and dynamic things and kind of decision making and all of the things that help you actually develop rather than repetitive stuff. Well, that's certainly a future worth looking forward to. But an important question that we need to ask is also, where do companies start their automation journey? How do they pick the problem that is going to have the biggest impact? So this is an excellent question, because a lot of the times when companies decide to embark on the journey of becoming a more automated, more kind of intelligent business, the biggest question is, how do we know, you know, what should be automated because on on one hand and this goes back to one of your earlier questions about 
you know, which processes should be yeah. automated? And I, my answer was that every business could be automated, but it doesn't mean that you can just pick and choose randomly and you, you'll get the best best benefit. So to solve that problem, we have actually created a technology called Digens, short for digital intelligence, where you can do a full audit of everything that you do in the business. So all of your different processes, the steps within those processes. And uh, we measure some particular basically operational factors about those. For example, you know, how many times do you do this? How often do things go wrong? What is the impact when something goes wrong? How much time are you currently spending on that? Or like what systems are you using? How much data duplication is happening? So there's, uh, there's about 20 particularly designed questions that we ask. And you go through this process um, and we capture all of that data in Digens. And then once you complete that, the system can then, you know, we've got a lot of interesting algorithms uh, and artificial intelligence where it will work out where you can get the most benefit from automation and systemization. You know, it can measure that based on how you're doing things and what the potential is and how often you do that and how much current operational, you know, costs or risks, um, you know, are involved in that. And then it can sort all the possible initiatives or all the possible kind of improvements. And then it then becomes a process of actually implementing those based on the system suggestions. So the system can say like the process of raising an invoice right now is the prime candidate for automation right now because of these reasons. It's basically then a process of just going through those, implementing them, getting the business benefit and value back into the business and then, you know, going to the next and the next and the next. And, you know, every year or so you can go through this auditing process again so that you've got an up-to-date picture of how things are working at the moment and then adjust your priorities based on that. And for our listeners who don't know much about the gens, what is the outcome of using this tool? You said it's like an auditing process. What comes after that? Once you complete this kind of audit process and uh, you have the insights you know so you know exactly how much time and money and so on is being spent doing what in your business and what is the impact and what is the potential next one is the is the roadmap if you are a scale-up business if you have ambitions for for growth you can simulate you know what is going to be the impact of the ways that we are currently running a business if we, for example, tripled or you know quadrupled our uh, our sales, if we grew by you know this amount, what does that mean? And then you can then get the system recommendations for which processes to automate and which problems to solve, basically based on that, based on your your scale ambitions. Or if you say, well, we're we don't want to scale necessarily because of you know whatever reasons, but we want to, for example, increase our profitability with without growing, then the system can you know, adjust its recommendations based on that and say, you know what, these will be the things to do. These will be the things to automate and so on. Or you can say like, actually, money is not a problem. (laughs) For example, we just want to be a more credible business. We want to improve our reputation. So the system can then focus on, for example, areas of error, you know, the error prone processes that are, you know, ultimately damaging your, your reputation. It can basically focus on that. So depending on your aspirations for the business, um, the recommendations of the system can be based on based on those. But at the end of the day, it's a roadmap. It's a roadmap for change, for digital transformation. And you can, you know, choose to implement them or not. Well, Payman, thank you very much for joining us on the Innovation Room and for discussing automation, in particular micro-automation with us. Pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the Innovation Room. 
Want to learn more about what we do? Or want to be our next guest? Head over to the Geeks website, www.geeks.ltd. We look forward to welcoming you again soon.